0: That we need to consider the human (laughs) when we assign students to work. What are their goals? What are they trying to achieve? And that what we expect them to do as a teacher or researcher Mm -hmm. may be very different to what a student sees, the activity, what they want to achieve.
1: Welcome to this episode of Turn Taking with Kevin Cotto
2: and Sarah Snyder.
1: We are making research accessible in the broadest sense of the term and highlighting takeaways for people, including not only product, but process.
2: We also like to bring to the forefront the personalities behind the research.
1: In this episode, we are speaking with Dr. Naomi Storch from the University of Melbourne. She is currently an Associate Professor in Applied Linguistics and ESL at the School of Languages and Linguistics. Her primary research interest is collaborative writing. Her most recent publication is an edited collection with Wataru Suzuki, Languaging in Language Learning and Teaching, a collection of empirical studies published with John Benjamins in 2020.
2: All right. Thank you, Naomi Storch, for being on Turntaking. <laughs> okay. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Okay. So we like to start off the Turntaking podcast by asking you to describe either the body of your work or a particular piece of your research. That you're most
0: proud of? Field of research is second language writing. Probably the piece of research I'm most proud of is my original research and collaborative writing because that has really it has influenced a lot of other young researchers to uh, extend my research into new directions, and that's been really pleasing to see that you know your work has an impact on others. Or what I did was look at how people relate to each other when they're working together producing a text together. even though the original idea was not to look at how people relate to each other, what struck me is how important it is to consider how people relate to each other in terms of language learning opportunity they create when they work with each other and was something that hadn't been considered before you know we sort of assign people to work, Students to work in pairs or in small groups, and that's it. We expect them to complete whatever exercise we give them, without thinking about you know they're the human beings interacting. They bring into the activity their own desire, their own histories, and all that has an impact on what happens during the task and what and the implication it has for learning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
2: And you you said that that wasn't your main goal when you first started this.
0: No, it wasn't. Uh, My main goal at the time was to work out how students make decisions about grammatical structures or vocabulary. Like, you know, why do they choose to use past tense instead of present tense when they write? What knowledge sources do they draw on? Do they think about the rules of grammar? Do they know about, do they uh, draw on what sounds correct to them, their intuitions? So I assigned them to work in pairs because I thought that getting them to sort of tell me or what we call think aloud, it would be too difficult for them because they were intermediate level learners. So I thought if they work in pair, they can, you know, make decisions. And the first tasks were very sort of fill in the blank type. And I realised when I was observing them that the way they related to each other was quite, you know, some of them engaged, some of them didn't engage. Uh, Some of them seemed to like working with each other, others didn't. And that became a much more salient feature of their interaction. And as it hadn't been considered before, we kept on, you know, previous research looked at whether people would negotiate, whether they ask each other for clarification, whether they ask each other for repetition. But no one looks at, you know, do they like working with each other? Does that make a difference? And so that became the focus of my investigation.
1: And as you started to kind of investigate what interaction looked like, uh, what was your aha moment of collaborative writing? this is it?
0: Well, there were two things. One was I wanted them to start working on one, rather than sort of moved away from idea of them working on sort of typical grammar exercise, like fill in the blank. Uh, And that was sort of in the sense of pilot study to writing a text together. Because again, there was a little bit of research of students working in groups on producing a presentation eventually. But no one looked at working together producing one text and yet mm. we often get students to work on assignments in a team in even at high school but also university and secondly no one really looked at how they relate to each other so that was sort of the that was sort of the light bulb moment was mm. wow you know something is going on there that has somebody that no one has really investigated
1: nice and looking back on your larger body of research and collaborative writing what is um a takeaway for other researchers or perhaps also for uh, practitioners?
0: That we need to consider the, uh, the human <laughs> when we assign students to work, whatever tasks we give them, we need to look at what are their goals, what they're trying to achieve and that what we expect them to do as a teacher or researcher mm-hmm. may be very different to what a student sees, the activity, what they want to achieve. Same task, different activity that was written about by Petsy Duff, that you can't predict human behaviour and that you need to look at it from the the student's perspective and Mm -hmm. what they get out of it and what they understand it to be and what they want to achieve.
2: I'll never forget the moment that I realized that students don't do this just to piss me off. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> they may. <laughs> Man, I don't. I really don't think they do. <laughs> well, you, know,
0: some of, you know, over the years, I you know, I've had students turning off my uh, tape recorder even though I'm recording. So you know, they can do things to piss me off. But <laughs> that,
2: but it wasn't just
0: to do I'm that, not was sure, it? But they didn't like <laughs> the activity, so you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I just I, I remember that that moment where I thought to myself, what other reason could there be for this behavior that mm. seems to be aligned with your, yeah. the takeaway of your research? Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening. Feel free to pick your poison and settle in while we continue the conversation on turn taking.
2: You talked a little bit about the process of finding your research topic, mm. and it wasn't exactly what you were no. Set out for, um, but we're always interested in the writing process. So, how does a, an article come to fruition for you? You do a lot of collaborative writing, probably as a result of researching collaborative writing.
0: Um, but not but sure maybe if it's the result, to. actually. I mean, in academia, you often do collaborative work. Um, you work with your colleagues on a. I mean, I work together. I collaborate with my colleagues at the university um, on research. And so we then write it up together and I've worked with colleagues that come from a slightly different theoretical perspective When we write a book, for example, for different reasons. I don't, I think I would have done that work regardless of whether I would have done work on collaborative writing. It's not always easy. It's not the same as a collaborative writing activity that I do in class with my students because we tend to cooperate more than collaborate. When I work with my colleagues, what we do is we write different sections of the text because, first of all, it's a longer text um, than the activities the students do in class. And so we write, you know, we divide basically the text between us and then we read each other's writing. But it's slightly different to what I, you know, what I was doing in my research. But yeah, it's not always easy. It's not always a pleasure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can be a difficult and uh, task. But if it works well, it's fantastic. So it's, you know you learn from each other, you've got a sounding board, yeah, you yeah, it can be a really uh, pleasant and educational activity, so yeah
2: and that with the nature of collaboration, sometimes there are sticky points with tenure cases. Could you talk to that experience that you've had? sticking point with? like if you have lots of collaborative pieces, um, some tenure cases require single authored.
0: Not in our case Oh collaborative pieces get exactly the same points. Uh,
2: is that your university?
0: Yeah. Well, in Australia, oh. I think. Oh, in yeah. Australia as a whole? Yeah. So at one stage, they all of a sudden decided to sort of divide the points, so if you know, if it's course is 0.5 retrospectively. And I was on leave at that stage, and that meant that some of my colleagues became um, what they referred to as research inactive. They didn't produce – we have, you know, a certain – number of points that we have to achieve every year, depending on your level of your seniority. Some colleagues became research inactive, which meant they would have had to be, in a sense, demoted. But we have a strong union in Australia. And there were five people, I remember, they were identified and they fought it in court. One even went to court and had union support and they had to retract and hasn't come, hasn't been the case since. Collaborative writing a Pieces are counted exactly the same way, single authored. If all your work was collaborative and you're applying for promotion, that might be different, but not for tenure, for example. Um, And the university encourages collaboration. Interdisciplinary collaboration is really looked upon favourably. You know, research is usually done in teams. So if you look at the sciences, it's usually like, you know, 10 people in an article. So no, it hasn't been an issue.
2: That's really heartening.
0: Yeah, it's not the same here. No, yeah,
1: it varies kind of a lot. So in regards specifically to single author versus uh, co-authored pieces, sometimes it was our institution requires single author. It's weighted heavier, or a single authored book. Yeah, or like this is your monograph, and that's what's needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, we we don't. Um, when we apply for grants, we have to specify what percentage we contributed mm. to. So whether it's 50-50, 40-60, I suppose it does look better. As I said, if you're applying for promotion, you do want to have some that are single authored, mm-hmm. um, whether it's books or articles. But as I said, it hasn't been an issue um, for us since that sort of year when they de- decided to do something differently. Things may change in the future I mean those things change
1: mm-hmm.
0: what instead what they look at is they have a league table of publishers and, uh, and journals and that makes a difference to your promotion or, t- or tenure so which journals are you publishing in, mm.
2: the, in de- the impact factor
0: yeah the yeah. impact factor yeah but, but yeah impact factor and other factors thing but yeah they ha- they sort of have some sort of a league table of journals and publishers. Many journals. Mm. Yeah. Understandable. Mm. Thing, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's certain journals are harder to get published
1: in. So, yeah. And so, looking back kind of on the single author pieces that you did, and perhaps more so on the collaborative ones, um earlier you mentioned a book that you had worked with someone. Um, was that by chance the work that you did with John Bitchner with Multilingual Matters? Mm. Could you perhaps um, speak to what that collaboration or maybe cooperative writing process was like?
0: Um, that, you know, that was difficult because we came from very different theoretical perspectives and we have very different writing style. So when you're writing a book, that becomes an issue because it has to be cohesive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, a different theoretical perspective was only an issue to some extent. We're in a conclusion, mm-hmm. I suppose, in the concluding chapter. But so basically it was decided he was looking at the cognitive perspective and now it's looking at the sociocultural perspective. Of feedback of research informed by theories, and his style is much more chatty, and mine is not. If you're a discerning reader, you can I mean, even if you didn't know, you know who's informed by what, you should you would be able to pick it out that two authors with we're gonna, very different. I'm going to read it
2: again with that in mind now.
0: <laughs> very different styles, and so when we were reading each other's chapters. Um, I could see, you know, I could recognise his style and to me at times it seemed a bit informal, for example, Mm -hmm. where he was reading my chapter and to him sometimes it seemed impenetrable. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's the kind of issue that we had to work out. On a theoretical level in the conclusion, he wanted me to to conclude by saying that they complement each other, the two theoretical perspectives. I couldn't say that because I didn't believe in it. Mm. (laughs) And that became a bit of a sticking issue. So we had to work through it and that was, you know, time's difficult. But we did at the end. And, you know, to me, the person is more important than the book. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, I... The
2: person is more important than the book. Yeah, the people
0: I work with are more important than the piece of work. That's absolutely true. Mm.
2: This is is where we get to the rub of turn-taking, right? That's my shtick now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We were responding to our work more accessible to a society at large, how would you say that society could apply
0: your research? If you work you know, in the workplace, for example, we have a lot of times when we have to work with other people. So understanding, trying to understand their perspective, try to understand what's the better way of going about working together, realising perhaps that you achieve a lot more if you really collaborate on it rather than try and impose your point of view. So that's not going to lead very far and it's going to upset people and you may lose colleagues or friends as a result. So I I suppose it also, in some instances, you may need to sort of negotiate in before you start working. So it's a, it, the importance of working with other people, and we're constantly working with other people, so it's a better understanding of how you work more effectively with other people that I think that my work may be important beyond the classroom.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's that positioning it's, that helps
0: you. Yeah, the positioning, but also an understanding of, you know, your, who you're working with, you know, at it's all relational. It's all how you interact with other people and you need to keep that in mind that they may come from different perspectives and if you want to convince if you want to work well with them basically you have to keep that in mind and think about what's important for you from there. That said to me when I was working with co authors, the relationship is much more important than a piece of work. So, you know, if it if it's working well, that's not an issue. You don't have to think about it. But if it's not working well, you know, what's what's the most important either to to complete the task the best you can or to somehow complete the task and get on with with a person. Mm-hmm.
2: And this may be a difficult question that we can
0: strike if you'd like, mm-hmm.
2: but have that has there any ever been a situation where the task could not be completed?
0: I can't think of any situation where the task was not completed, but there were I remember there was a stage where I was going to say okay, you do it without me that it just became, you know, they were very close Colleagues of mine, it just became I I was quite hurt by, you know, what was going on and I thought it's just not worth it for me. I'd rather step down and they can complete the task without me. Somehow we completed and we you know we got over it, but it was very, very difficult to remember. Yeah. Mm. So Mm. I said it can be quite difficult. Yeah. All the
2: different personalities and
0: intercultural rhetoric. And different understanding of, you know, and different perspectives and different importance attributed to different aspects of the activity or whatever. So yeah, it's different different viewpoints on things. Yeah. Different timelines, <laughs> pressures, yeah. Yeah. you know. Different family happening. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: that you never know what someone has gone through before they come to your office. That's right. Yeah. And
0: unless they tell <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> so <laughs> like it's usually you with people that you work with closely, like with colleagues, you know, we know what's going on in each other's lives. So But I think what it was is a very different perspective on a particular issue and, you know, with senior colleagues, we've all established our sort of perspectives and it's difficult to shift.
2: Mm -hmm. That winner winning
0: mentality, right? Yeah, that's right, if that's what, yeah, rather than a compromise and whether you're prepared to live with a compromise. And sometimes you are and sometimes you're saying, no, uh, you know, it's really important for me, to establish what, you know, what I think is right. <laughs> mm.
1: Looking back in the, in the research that you've done, have you seen kind of mini manifestations of that with students?
0: I've seen it in, um, in the classroom, um, of students not getting on. I mean, we had a very funny incident, not in my subject, but in, in my colleague's subject where the students got into a fist fight. Oh, wow. And, um, They had to call security and with a female and a male (laughs) where she slapped him across the face. (gasps) And they had to go through disciplinary actions and all sorts of things over group work. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. But again, if you delve deeper into it, you, you know, we found out, as I said, she wasn't, the students were not in my class, but I recognize the students name because I'm the coordinator. So it came to my attention. I had to deal with it. I recognize the student's name because she had failed a subject in the previous semester uh, and I was on her disciplinary committee. So she was obviously getting quite anxious. There's this group assignment. If they don't do it very well, she may not do very well in this subject. Right. And so she was under a lot of stress um, and became quite, I don't don't know, I I didn't observe the group work was done outside class times. She became very distressed, obviously, and told him off and he didn't take it too kindly and, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it seems... That a lot of the interpersonal issues that happen out of collaborative writing or really any mm-hmm. collaborative piece is the the stress that's underlying mm-hmm. what's going on. And as we get into more of a neoliberal, you know, society mm-hmm. where everybody is working all the time, I mean, millennials are the burnout generation. Mm-hmm. How does that interact with collaborative writing? How can we keep that perspective?
0: And the said, it, if it... Works well. It works very well because there is a division of labor then, and you can separate tasks and you can learn from each other. And if I speak to my students about their experience of group work or collaborative writing, it varies. You know, some of them really enjoy it and see the benefits. They sort of adopt a collective agency that I talked about, you know, they sort of work like a community with an objective, and that is really energizing. But it may not work. And if it becomes very competitive, like in the incident are described and if there are different agendas going on then it's a disaster but that's the same for anything i mean you know it's not just collaborative writing it can be for any task that you know If you assign a student a task and they can't complete it on time or they don't you know they don't do well on the task that becomes very stressful as well so i think part of our role as educators is also to educate students to work with other people so you can't you know I don't always implement team writing and collaborative writing, but I think it's an important part that we, you know, that they learn to work with other people and manage conflict. Yeah, it's an important skill. Absolutely. Mm
2: -hmm. So all of the societal implications aside, (laughs) if someone were to see you at a conference and they didn't want to launch right into your research, what could they maybe strike up a conversation with you about?
0: Uh, They can strike up a conversation. You mean about... Still academics that sort are of work-related or maybe maybe not. American. So they can talk about Australia or, you know, where I come from or whether I'm, you know, native speaker of English or um, mm-hmm. if they could work out that I'm not. Um, and it's the same for me. I mean, if I meet people at a the conference, they usually say, you know, where you're from, which mm-hmm. university or which country you're from, if I could see that they're not native. I think I'm very politically aware about what's going on around the world I really like to hear about, you know, like what's going on in Hong Kong, what's going on in uh, Iran, what's going on in uh, South America. So that kind of conversation really interests me. So they could perhaps ask me about Australia and what's going on with treatment of refugees yeah. or political system. That could be, you know, an interesting conversation as well. All very interesting <laughs>
2: conversations. And so is this. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on Turn Yeah, You're welcome.
1: Yeah, it's a real pleasure having you on.
2: Thank you very much
0: for selecting me.
2: Thanks for listening to Turn Taking with Sarah Snyder
1: and Kevin Cotto.
2: If you have questions for our authors or suggestions for research that you'd like to know more about, Just email us at turntaking.fm at gmail.com.
1: We hope you'll tune in next time.